When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On the Gopher Sports Network, from Learfield IMG College, this is the Golden Gopher Podcast, presented by Schuler Shoes. Fall fun starts at Schuler Shoes. Step in for the largest selection of footwear for the season, or visit SchulerShoes.com. And by Red Savoy Pizza, soda-style pizza since 1965. Find us online at SavoyPizza.com. And welcome to the Golden Gopher Podcast. I'm Justin Gard from KFA and Radio and the Gopher Radio Network. Thanks for finding us wherever you subscribe to your podcast, whether it's the iHeartRadio app, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, we appreciate you finding us each and every week. We're here each and every week uh, talking all things Golden Gopher Athletics. And to help us uh, through the show today is an old friend, a guy I watched in high school, a guy I watched play in college, and now a guy I guess I kind of work with. Yeah, I would say we, we kind of work together. And yeah. I would consider you a friend. I would too. Not a mentor, Thanks, but a friend. Appreciate it. As a friend, can you explain to me what soda style pizza is? Soda style pizza? Yeah, I, it's I, just I, one of those things. If you don't know, you don't know. It's and, and how I, I'm assuming is. it means Minnesota, not soda pop. That's right. Okay, correct. So for a guy who's lived here 31 of 33 years, and I'm not aware of soda style pizza. Can you explain it to me? I can't because it's just one of those things that you know. You either know Whatever what it is or you don't. Is, it's soda style. And that's Red Savoy. Okay. Can I introduce you who you actually are? I mean, everybody knows your voice sure. from the Gopher Radio Network. Sure. But we're talking with former Gopher basketball player and current Gopher basketball analyst. And friend of yours. And friend of mine and friend of many. And right. father of two, Spencer Tollickson. There is two of them currently. Yep. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about being a young father, a working father, a father who's busy. Um, yep. With all the younger coaches, um, there's been some podcasts like with Brandon Egham and Jenny Hansen, sure, sure, wrestling sure. and gymnastics. We, yep. It basically devolved into um, the Fan Dads podcast. And right, which I've yet kids. to get the invite for that, by the way, but that's okay. We'll get that done. Yeah, we'll, we'll get absolutely it done. get that. Done. I can contribute to that. Well, I'm in the meat grinder. I got a one year old and a three year old. Yeah, it's so. not pretty. Yeah, it's amazing how good you look right now. I appreciate that. It took a while. It's it's a little bit late in the morning. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It took a while. Uh, you know, getting out of my house early and often in the morning is is it's it's work, man. Yes, it is. I mean, it it literally takes us 
anywhere between an hour and 15 and an hour and 30 from the time the house gets up mm-hmm. to when we're in the car going to daycare. Yeah. It's a I whole understand. production. I yeah, understand. yeah, you get it. Yeah. So we'll uh, see how that goes. It's because this is a busy time of year. We were talking, obviously, the basketball season's going on. You've got a full-time job Correct. on top of that that I want to talk about. But as I told you yesterday, mm-hmm. this is going to be pretty biographical. We're going to go deep into the life, the life of Spencer Tollickson, growing up as a young boy in Chaska, it's going to be a dull, a dull. I, I, I never thought you'd be here. like. I can't imagine you as a small child. No, you're like six no, ten. No, no. So I'm, uh, in, you know, your time at Chaska, winning the state championship, Mr. Basketball. Your time here, sure. Dan Munson, Tubby Smith, the whole deal. Mike Grimm. We're going to try to fly through all of it. So we're uh, going to get to Grimmer eventually. We better extend this podcast. <laughs> Grimm's not on it. <laughs> if Grim was on it, we'd right. have to go longer. You might, you wouldn't even have to be here. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. That's the. Scary it's funny thing. how we could have Grimmer on this, and you and I wouldn't have to be involved, and it would still be a three-way conversation. Uh, Just something him. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With a lot of different tangents. Right. So tell me about growing up in Chaska. For Grow- me, as a first-ring suburb snob, right down in Minnesota. Yeah. Growing up, Chaska seemed like it was like Northfield to me. It's, it, it's like, I watched you in high school. It's I'm a like, little east of Edina. Yeah. I'm like, well, how do I get here? I'm right. like, what is 41? <laughs> what is 212? Like, 41. There's just, there's the old Hazeltine. 212, right? Yeah. I'm like, there's Hazeltine and there's Lions Tap uh, right. right around there. But like right. that felt like a day trip for someone like yeah. me. You grew up there. Lovely town. I, I clearly know it's not that far away now. It's not. But what's it like growing up there? So I I, re- I recall going to, it was usually Eden Prairie when we would play on the road in, in Eden Prairie. For some reason, they thought it was so funny and hilarious to wear camo and like deer hunting <laughs> gear to, to poke fun at the fact that we were hicks. Yeah. Um, Chaska nowadays is quite a bit different than it was. When, I believe that when I grew up, I my, my mom still lives there. Uh, my sister actually is still in Chaska too, so we get back there obviously quite a bit to see family and friends and that sort of thing. But, but even that, get back there, like right. it's you live in the metro still. Sure, Chaska's in the metro. Granted, yeah. it's a big area, and you're on the other side of town now. But that, yeah, that to me is like we get back to Chaska every once in a while. Yeah, I go it's, visit mom and my sister. So growing up. Quite literally, my neighborhood at the at that period of time was next to a cornfield. <laughs> literally, it was next. It was adjacent to a cornfield. Now they've rebuilt Southwest Christian High School oh, yeah. on that cornfield. So if you're at all familiar with the area, my the neighborhood that I grew up in is is would be just south of that school. Um, Chaska's it was a good, quiet town, a safe place to grow up. Um, it was very like. Old school in the sense that like kids ride their bikes everywhere yeah. and go down to the clay hole, which is the very small <laughs> clay hole. Let's get that clear. <laughs> the clay hole, um, which has now been rebranded and, and named. Apparently, clay hole wasn't as um, appealing as Fireman's Park, oh, that's which what they is call what it, it is now. Yeah. The Crooked Pints there, the Curling Club, the Chaska Curling Club and the Curling yep. Center, yep. that little pond if you will behind it um is i spent a lot of my summers there fishing and swimming and that sort of thing we'd ride our bikes down there um but it's it's changed quite a bit since i since i've uh since i've left there and and since i grew up there i feel like i'm talking to my dad right now the clay hole the clay hole the the old spence ride the jonathan general you used to bike up there and get the little uh the candy gum and you roll it up and think you're really cool because it looked like a cigarette when yep. you were like eight years old. I understand that whole that, deal. But we had Clancy's. Clancy's was like our drugstore. See, now, that's the difference from Edina 
Tachaska. You had Clancy's. We had yeah. the Jonathan General. But that's which, the same thing. I mean, it was the Clancy kinda. family. And yeah. now it's it's Clancy's by Walgreens. You know, it's been purchased by Walgreens. So it's right. lost a little bit of the romance. But sure. it was Clancy's. It was the same thing. And we would ride our bikes up there. Didn't have a clay hole. The clay but, hole. <laughs> I'm feeling a little left out. Do you know why they called it the clay hole? Because I'm guessing there was water and it had mud and then that turned into clay. Kind of, sort of. So way back in the day, here's a little history (laughs) lesson for you, JG. Yeah. Way back in the day, Chaska was known as a brick building town. They, They farmed, if you will, or harvested the clay from the soil and they would use it to make bricks. That was... Way back in the day, that's how that's what Chaska was known for. So the clay hole was literally a hole in the ground that was man-made and dug out right. to retrieve the clay to build the bricks or to make the bricks, manufacture them. Well, over a period of time, that filled in with water, fish, swimming, the whole deal. It became a staple in downtown Chaska. So when did you realize you're in the clay hole mm-hmm. or you're going to Jonathan General? Yep. When did you realize, like, Okay, I'm way bigger than all my friends, and I'm going to be tall. I'm, yeah. Is it, what are you, 6'9 six, ish? 6'9, six, yeah. yeah. Um, I realized it in, I want to say it was about the fifth, fourth or fifth grade. And we, every summer we rode our bikes up to the Chaska High School to take part in the youth. Uh, football camp, right? Right. That the head coach and the fo- the high school players would put on. And every town in the country does it, right? Mm-hmm. So we would go up there and ride our bikes up there, and and I realized it when when at some point people started to mistake me for an actual varsity football player, <laughs> and they took a they would take a, a an end of camp photo where all the kids bundled together, and it was like just a steady line of heads every once in a while, and then mine protruded out more so than everybody else. That was probably when I realized that I was a large human yeah. or was going to be. That end, or I was actually just telling this story with, the, with Halloween just a few weeks ago, or it used to be more than a few weeks ago now, but... Um, I used to go out trick-or-treating with my friends when I was like in fifth grade, and I remember back in the day that the people would open the door and give me this look and be like, get this get this 18-year-old right. out of here, right. because I was always so big. So that, that was kind of when I first started to realize it. So is that hard? Do you remember that being difficult? Because that can be a little offset. Like there's one of two ways. You can say, I'm bigger than everybody. I'm going to be the best basketball player out here or whatever. Sure. Or it's, I just want to blend in with my friends. And everywhere I go, people are looking at me or saying I'm too old or asking. I'm sure your parents yeah, are well, like, here's his birth certificate. He's not 17. So that, that would happen. I believe like it Growing 100%. up in, in Metro, um, you know, playing basketball, traveling basketball and baseball and the whole thing, my my mother would keep a copy of my birth certificate I believe that. in her purse because, you know, parents, particularly these days, but even back then when I was a kid, um, they're always looking for something, right? Yes. So we would smoke people by 40 and they'd be like, well, that kid's too old and he's too big. Yeah. Well, here comes Patty with the birth certificate <laughs> and putting moms and parents in their place. So when did you realize you were good at basketball? Did you play any other sports like growing up or when did it, when did yeah, basketball so, become so a thing? Growing up, I played baseball, basketball, and football. Um, I was actually supposed to play baseball here. Like when I came on my visit, I sat in. Dan Munson's office with Coach Anderson. Oh, I didn't know that. And the um, the agreement at the time was basketball scholarship, basketball first, however, was going to be a pitcher on the baseball team. And ultimately, ultimately what happened was after the first basketball season, I was getting ready to, to partake in the baseball season, and Munson put a stop to that 
pretty quickly and said, you know, we're paying the bills. You're on scholarship, no baseball. So um, that's still, I'm still a bit bitter about that. Were you that. really? Yeah. Well, that, yeah, I've never sure. heard that before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. And then um, Coach Oaks, who's, who's, gone yep, now coach. um was was in my corner throughout my whole four years here and pushed f- for them to allow it and they never did man yeah a little bit bitter about it so i've learned a couple of things Are we airing out some dirty laundry <laughs> yeah. here on the podcast bitter about baseball and the clay hole are the two things that i've learned so right. far and we're almost we're barely 11 minutes in right. so i'm curious how much we're gonna how much we're getting in so, so I, I did grow up playing other sports of course um i didn't really get into basketball until i want to say the sixth grade and i remember it because that was when I surpassed my my dad in height. Right, and he was about six two. Okay, so I passed him up in six eight or in sixth grade, and I started to realize that if I'm taller than everybody, why not play a sport where there's a significant advantage? Because when you're in fifth and sixth grade, you don't really play. You just throw the ball to the tallest guy and right. shoot layups all game. You probably right? had fifty offensive rebounds. Correct. Game, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so that that's probably when I when I got into it but I grew up playing other sports ahead of basketball um I I think in a lot of ways too that baseball was probably my best sport um and I'm I'm a little bit bitter that I never got to pursue it yeah well that makes sense yeah yeah and that's not atypical there's a lot of people that say hey for sure obviously if you're you're Mr. Basketball sure in Minnesota it makes sense that you would play basketball obviously you liked basketball but I can see how that would be um yeah that would be something that still sticks with you so when did you realize though like, all right, I'm really good. Like, when, when did I start, coaches start to call? When I, so my freshman year, um, this, is, this is how weird it was back then. Like, I don't know if it was necessarily like a, a late conference rule or a Minnesota State High School League rule or a Dan Pulowski at Chaska rule, <laughs> but when I was a freshman in high school, I was not allowed to play more than three quarters on the varsity team. Right. Because you could play five, five quarters total. Yep. So they put me two in JV and three in varsity because apparently there was a max if you were going to do that, you could only play three varsity. That was the split. It was two and three. It couldn't be four and one or whatever. Really? Now, again, I don't know whose rule this well, was. I'll tell you because we were in high school around the same. I was a senior when you were a freshman. Okay. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yep. Um, where you really could have helped me out in my career, but Chaska really? came up short. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll get okay. to it. We'll, okay. see, okay. we'll see if there's time. All right. But they, you could. it was the combination of five because there was a time, not that Correct. this is the Guardsy podcast, but when I was a sophomore, I would play two and three. I would yep. play one and four. Right. So that must have just been the rule. They just, it must have just been, been the, the rule. rule. Um, yeah. So, But I remember I was only playing three quarters of varsity, and I was still being recruited. Yeah. And when I say recruited, not like like very – like starting to get letters. Yeah. Right? I remember the first letter I ever got was from Larry Eustachie at, at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. It's the first letter I ever got. And I remember – my dad getting it from like the like the mailbox, like walking in from getting the mail and being like, "You got a letter from Iowa State. Like, what does that even mean?" <laughs> they heard you grew up next to a cornfield. Yeah, right? so right. let's get this and the, kid in the clay hole. <laughs> the clay right? hole. We got a great clay Fit hole. Really in well in, in in Iowa. So um, <laughs> uh, that that's when uh, going, but going into my sophomore year of high school, and then that's having that sophomore season is when the when the recruitment really picked up so much so that I committed verbally to Minnesota uh, my sophomore year of high school, right. which is unheard of these days. It's the, the People just don't 
don't do that ever that commit that early. And and that used to be the norm back then, especially right. for like an in-state kid. Correct. You know, like Elamine did that. Right. Then obviously flipped it and went to UConn. But right. speaking of Iowa, guys down in Iowa City, probably when you played against like Jeff Horner and Greg Bruner. Yep. Those guys committed when they were like in eighth grade. And I mean, that, that's what you did back then. And it's just, it's, it's you know, I, I, I hear and I follow, you know, obviously the recruiting trails um, these days, specifically and, and more so with these in-state kids and um, it was just a different, and, and again, I'm going to say it's a different time, like it was 40 years ago. It wasn't that long ago no. when you really think about it, but it, it, it's just so different these days. And I committed my sophomore year of high school, but was still, and that was a verbal commitment, but was still receiving a lot of recruiting letters and, That's what and, I wondered. and touches and that sort of thing. Um, what, what's even What's even more weird is that Back then, when I received a scholarship offer from the University of Minnesota, which, by the way, was the second school to offer me a, a, a scholarship. The first one was Tom Crean at Marquette. Wow. Um, Tom Crean flew in from Milwaukee yep. and landed at Flying Cloud Airport in Eden Prairie and drove to watch me basically work out at the Chaska Community Center. Like, that was that was it. Um, offered me a scholarship. My mom initially wanted me to go to Marquette. Her, her dad, my grandfather, was a graduate of Marquette. Okay. Um, but I, I knew my, the whole time that if I was going to have an opportunity to play for the U, there was no doubt. So fast forward to, to the meeting that we referenced earlier in, in Coach Munson's office, and this is how different the, the, different the times were. I remember Munson saying, we want you, we're going to offer you a scholarship, but you can't let anybody know publicly <laughs> if you don't want it. Yeah. If you're not going to commit to it now, you we don't want this getting out. That and I was like, well, well, yeah. yeah, and I was like, well, why? Like that's kind of weird. And at that point in time, it was it was perceived as um it was perceived as the university and the coaching staff um it was it, it was a bad look for them to offer somebody and, and for somebody to not it. accept it right away. Yeah. And that was back in my well, that was probably in 2002. Right. So seventeen ish years ago, right? Um, which is weird because nowadays they you have people to have throw the offer. out offer. Yeah. I mean, you go to you go to a, a kid's recruiting page and there's twenty offers on there, right? Back when I put, that's not how it was. Like you didn't just receive all these offers and get fifteen of them and then say, all right, I'm going to pick one of these. You didn't pare down your list, right? Make an announcement. These are my right. final ten. These uh, are my final five. But but I knew very early that I was if I had an opportunity to play for Minnesota there there undoubtedly I was going to accept that offer okay right so why did. I'm curious like why yeah. how did you know like who you mentioned Tom Kareen had offered you a scholarship like wh who else was even in the mix yeah, that you so were I was being heavily recruited by Iowa State Minnesota Michigan Wisconsin and Marquette mm -hmm. those were the top five so to speak now there was a for some reason I, I i don't know why but i remember getting a lot of letters from auburn interesting the next charles barkley maybe they <laughs> saw me as that type of yeah of, of player but for some reason i don't know why but for some reason auburn is um always is ingrained in my memory um which by the way i still have the two rubbermaid totes in my basement i was gonna ask full of those letters yeah i was gonna ask so at some point when I, all my hair is gone and I become very fat and my son's like, there's no way you were ever good at anything. <laughs> right. Um, I can be like, okay, look at all these. That mm -hmm. That's going to be my... Let's go down to the clay hole. Yeah, that's going to we'll, be my... We'll, that's right. I'll that's show right. you all my letters. Yeah. Um, but... But Minnesota was the one. Minnesota was, was the one, undoubtedly. There was... Uh, first of all, I, I think it's it's... 
when I when I look at the kids being recruited these days, it, it's 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 overlooked how important it is, at least for me at the time and and currently, to be close to family and having my parents be thirty minutes away from every single home game I ever played. Yeah, like that. I don't know why. I don't know if it's been the shift in with social media and now there's a lot more outlets for people to consume sports and articles and information. But even when I was growing up, that, that, that meant something. It meant something to stay home, play for your home state, um, build your brand in this state and, and have, and be able to have your, your closest people in your family be able to be that close. Right. I mean, I remember, like freshman year, like me and like six of the teammates went to my parents' house for Thanksgiving because they were out of state, right? So it was just, it was so cool and a great experience to be able to stay home. And it's paid dividends for me in my professional career. I believe that. I, I don't, I, I think that goes very understated or unnoticed, particularly with kids nowadays, um, that it's, it's, and we can get into the whole, like now this whole pay for play and the, the whole kids getting compensated and that whole thing. Um, it, 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 it's paid dividends for me to be able to stay home with my professional career. And as I prolong my life and my family and that whole thing, there was never regret coming here one second. Have you considered putting together that same presentation for all the coaches here at the university of Minnesota? Cause that is the biggest sell, right? When it's you- the, it is the biggest sell. I mean, there is, there is no way that I would have the things that I have in my personal and professional life had I had not come to the University of Minnesota. It's just, it, it, there's just no way. Like if I would have went to Auburn, <laughs> right, yeah. or, or anywhere. I mean, yeah. I'm sure I, I have confidence in myself that I would be successful, but it's different though. It's 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 so much different being able to stay home and build a brand and have that name recognition. I mean, go ask Blake Hoffarber what his what what. Growing up here and playing for the U and pursuing a professional business career in this market, coming to the U, what that's done for his career. Or Jamal. Sure. Or anybody. I mean, anybody that that elected to stay home, what it's done for their personal and professional life. It's it's I'll never I'll never be able to repay the university for what it's done for my for my life, for coming here. And people are wondering, okay, well, who is Spencer Tollickson? Like, he's this kid that grew up on a farm in Chaska. He's going to the clay Okay, hole. hold on. What? Grew up on a farm in Ch- <laughs> It's not like we had chickens and pigs. I'm not sure. There's no way to verify that except by your words. Right. I'm not sure about it. Right. But you were Mr. Basketball. Correct. Your senior year. Correct. Were you guys undefeated your senior year? We were year? not undefeated. We you actually, won the state championship. We won the state title, which coincidentally, Chaska football plays in the state title. They do. Um, and I, I was, yeah, and I was talking to my wife last night. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this would be the most significant state title win since we. I'm sure there's been some other ones, but this would be the most significant since my senior year when we won the state title. We did not go undefeated. We started the season 0 and 1. Okay. We hosted Hopkins at Chaska High School, sellout standing room only, only and lost. And you have one of the coolest gyms. I it's think, a pretty cool in gym. The state Chaska, yeah. how it's sunken. You've got the scoreboard yep. and everything. I yeah. loved. When I could find it, you know, if right. I went to Lions Tap, it was gone too far. When I got right, on right. 41, <laughs> when I, I could see it, when I when, when you finally get there, it's right. tremendous. It's right. a great place. It had to be a really cool place to play high school. Great place to play. So we went. Oh, we started 0-1, lost to Hopkins in the first game of the season. They beat us in the opening game. We ended up going undefeated until we faced them in the Hamlin Christmas tournament, beat them in overtime. 
made our way through the through the the conference, split with Burnsville. That's who we ultimately beat yep. in the state title game. Yep. We played Hopkins, who a lot of people thought should have been the state title game, in the section title game at Williams Arena. Right. Beat them, made our way, just breezed through the the, uh, state tournament all the way till Burnsville and and beat them pretty good, too. So the two teams that beat us that year, we beat twice throughout the course of the season. We finished 32-2 and my senior year. So what's it like when you get back to the farm and the town's going crazy? For the state champion, yeah, it, it was Hawks. it was fun. Um, I'm sure that had to be unbelievable because you basically you've lived like my dream. Okay, winning the state basketball tournament uh, for your town, going to play at Williams Arena. Yep. Now looking nice in a suit, being sure. six nine. First of all, right. as a five nine person, very frustrated with people a like full you. twelve inches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like more. <laughs> right. Very frustrated with people of your height. Sure. It just doesn't. I. 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 I've gotten over that with our friendship, but it's right. it's very difficult for a five nine grinder like me. Right. To look at a six nine guy like you, but you took full advantage of it. There's a lot of big guys. I'd that like don't to take think advantage so. Of yeah, but you get back to Chaska and the town's going crazy, and your coach is on his way out. He retires. He, he, he rides off into the sunset. That yep. had to be pretty cool. Really cool experience. Obviously, it, it was it was really cool because I I mean again this doesn't happen nowadays either. But the guys that I played with and won that state title with, other than one kid, I literally played with since we were in sixth grade. Yeah, that's the best. Like the the if there were nine guys that played in the state title game. Eight of the nine I've played, I literally played and grew up with since I was in sixth grade. That's like awesome. it was the same basketball team from when I was 12 years old to when we won the state title, other than one kid that came in. And when Chaska made the state tournament a couple of years ago, basically the same thing. Correct. They had, you know, a group. So that's what made it really cool. I believe that. Yeah. I mean, that's what made it really, and I know it's it's a little tongue in cheek. It's probably more, it probably, you know, twist the knife a little bit more for you than me. But the Hopkins thing, like recruiting guys, bringing guys, but like that—that that is true. Like 100%. Chris Humphreys didn't go to Hopkins. Dan Coleman didn't go to Hopkins. Darren Clark didn't go to Hopkins. And the reason why I say those guys is those were the guys that were at Hopkins that made the run in state the year before we did. I think they lost to Minneapolis North. I want to say, um, but that—that that was Cam a, Taylor was probably yeah, on that, that was team. a team yep. that was put together. So that made it all the more special because I've known these guys and have very close friendships with them still to this day. Um, to be able to to put that kind of stake in the ground after playing each, with each other since we were twelve years old. So you get to the U, and right away your team. You know, speaking of a collection of guys that you know, kind of grinded their way to it. Your Some freshman, misfits. your freshman year, though. I mean, that you guys make the. Tur- I loved that Gopher team because it was misfits. It was Jeff Hagen who I played against at two, Hopkins. Two walk-ons were in the starting lineup, 100%. and a guy who was. Shorter than you, Aaron, Aaron Robinson. Robinson. Exactly right. right. Um, so, but we, that had to be an interesting welcome to college basketball, and really with Vincent Greer and all, like a team yeah. that made the most out of what they had, and, right. and the sum was definitely greater than than all the parts. From a school perspective and from a basketball perspective, my freshman year, hands down, was my favorite of the four years in college, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that that team was really close, and the way that. You mentioned Jeff Hagen. The way that Jeff embraced me, because I was basically his backup, the backup center, right? right? So the way that he kind of put me under his wing, as cliche as that is, it was really true to show me the ropes of not only basketball, but being in college for the first time, being 18 years old and having this type of of freedom. Um, so Jeff, uh, I owe a lot to Jeff, um, but that was a really fun year. We had no business finishing 6-10 and 10 in the Big Ten that year. 
Um, ten and six. Or excuse me, ten and yeah. six. That's probably what we should have finished was six <laughs> and ten. Uh, but we had great leadership. I remember, I remember sitting on the bus leaving the Great Alaskan Shootout, going to the airport, and not doing well in that tournament. Like we lost the opening game, I believe it was to Utah. Now that I think about it, um, and. I remember go, like leaving that tournament, going to the airport, and I remember Jeff Hagen and Brent Lawson talking about the fact that they they believed and thought that we would make the NCAA tournament. And in my mind, as a naive eighteen year old kid, was like, "There's there's no way. Like these guys are crazy. There's no way we're going to make the right. tournament. This team isn't good enough, right?" And and we had tremendous leadership out of those two guys, particularly that year in Brent Lawson and Jeff Hagen. And we also had a first-team All-Big Ten player in Vincent Greer that nobody thought was going to be that good. Nobody knew because he was a junior college kid. Right. And I, I'll always remember the Wisconsin game that year. I think it was the Wisconsin game. The, where, the one at home yeah. where he had 32. He just went off. Yeah, and that in really, the second half. And that propelled you guys. That kind of puts you on the radar, I think, of, okay, this team can do some things. But right. you, I, you can't have the, 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 the role players and the overachievers like a lot of those guys were if you don't have that one guy that can get yeah, you over I the mean, top. Yeah, I mean, look, that's let's, what, that's let's what be real. Did. Is is as good as as good as that team was. Vince made us really good. Yeah. Like Vince took us to the level of getting to an NCAA tournament. I mean, he was that type of player, and that he had that type of skill set, and he had the ability to literally take over a game. The only other person I would say that I played with in college that had that ability was Lawrence McKenzie at times. Yeah. Not to the degree that Vince had, but Lawrence could do it too. Lawrence could literally take over a game. Um, and, and just with with his ability to shoot, he was a sneaky good defender, and he was the point guard. But he was a scoring guard. He could also take over a game, much like Vince could. So you let's uh, fast forward to when Coach Munson's let go. That would have yep. been your junior year, right? So that was we had just gotten absolutely throttled by Clemson yeah. on my birthday, November 29th in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We got throttled. Like I want to say, I'd have to look it up. But I want to say we got out rebounded like forty to twenty or yeah. something insane. And the next morning, we get to Williams Arena for practice, and we go to the locker room. And of course, it was my twenty-first birthday, or I think it was my twenty-first. Yeah, and you can imagine that I probably wasn't feeling the best, particularly <laughs> after a loss like that. So we go into the locker room, and we're get, we're going in there to get taped. And at that point, I probably need an IV more than I need to get yeah, taped. Right. And Roger Shipper, the long-term athletic trainer for the University of Minnesota men's basketball team, is like, uh, "We're not taping today. Just go down to the locker room." And we're like, "Like, what's going on?" They're like, "There's no practice today." And nobody knew, like nobody, like I don't even think we had an idea. Again, when you're 20 or 21 years old and you're in the thick of it, you are so naive. Yeah. That you, you, you. And there's no social media back then. There either. was no social media. So back you probably then. had no. Like now, I think people are in tune to what's going on in the outside a little bit more. Back then, it was probably hard. Rewind, what would have been maybe like eight nine months prior to that, when Jeff Shellman wrote the article in the Star Tribune after we got beat in the second round of the NIT at Cincinnati. Dan Munson off at the next exit. Mm -hmm. And it was documented that Dan Munson had been fired. Well, Dan Munson had not been fired, which is th that's who we should have on someday is Kyle Coughlin, who was the SID, <laughs> who literally pulled Munson and Maturi into a room and was like, are you quitting? No. Are you firing him? No. Okay, then we're going out and we're announcing that you're still the coach. Yeah. So we fast forward to, to that morning, uh, the day after getting throttled by, we just got absolutely boat raced by Clemson. <laughs> and um, who I, I don't even think they were that good. And I remember going down to the locker room and Munson and Joel 
were in there and Munson just started the conversation with um, I've been let go. It was so funny how a couple days before that it, it had been rumored that he was going to get fired. Right. And <laughs> the, the, the comedian in Dan Munson embraced that and told us after a game, I can't remember who it was against. Well, if they fire me, they still have to pay me X amount of millions of dollars. Yeah, he's so, fine. Yeah, so uh, I remember sitting. He's got in, a nice house in California. Yeah, he's fine. He's had a nice decision. run out there. Yeah, it's, Long Beach. Yeah, for they, sure. They, you know, him and Darcy have built a fantastic life, big family. They've built a retirement home out there yep. in Long Beach. So, believe me, Dan Munson's okay. doing okay. Yeah. Um, but I remember sitting in my locker and feeling so much. Um, guilt feeling so guilty that the emotions just took over and I just started I just broke down and started sobbing because I didn't know how to handle that amount of guilt feeling that I was directly obviously directly contributed to someone losing their job but more importantly like that is a life-altering event like like it's not like you get fired from your job and you can go get another job in the Twin Cities. Like you're gonna have to pick up and move your young family. And I remember feeling so much um, guilt and and regret that I just it just I just lost my emotions and that was a very very dark day for a lot of people. I believe that. Yeah. And now Coach Molinari took over. He was the interim coach. Coach Mo took over, and everybody yep. loves Coach Mo. Like, we beat Purdue in the in the Big Ten opener that year. So we lost to to Clemson. It was a couple games, and then we we ended up beating Purdue in the Big Ten opener, which nobody thought, like people thought, okay, like they're, they're going to turn it around. And I'm not going to say this is the reason why, but the next game we go to Wisconsin and I break my hand uh, and miss seven and a half games. It was, yeah. it was literally 20 seconds before halftime on the road at Wisconsin. I think we were hanging with them too. That was a good team too. That was like Orlando Tucker, yeah. uh, Cam Taylor. They, they had a squad back then um, and and broke broke my hand and shattered a bone in my wrist and missed dang near eight games that season. And and it just, I think we won three games total in the big 10 that year. And you get a new coach named Tubby Smith, right? What do you remember about? I remember that came out of nowhere. I remember sitting in Wilkins hall and <laughs> on sit- university Avenue with my roommate, Ryan Saunders. Yeah. I don't know if you've, what just, happened to him? Yeah. What happened to Ryan Saunders huh. sitting there, Seeing the report on the TV that Sean Miller had been named the University of Minnesota men's basketball coach. Sean Miller? Sean Miller from Xavier at the time. I don't remember that. I remember that, and I remember... That would have been great. <laughs> so might be, I mean, we might be on probation. Wait, can we put that in the podcast? He probably would have turned around. He'd be, ultimately be at Arizona or somewhere, that's true. right? But Consider- good coach. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so it had been rumored, and, and we all thought that Sean Miller was our head coach. Like, that was, that was it. Like, that was going to be our coach. And the next day, we all got phone calls and, and messages um, saying that we needed to report to Beerman to meet our new coach. And walking into Beerman, we all thought Sean Miller was the coach. That's like, amazing. Like, we thought Sean Miller was going to walk through those doors. And instead, we know how it played out. Tubby Smith came in. And at the time, it was like, dude, Tubby Smith is here? Yeah. Like, championship ring on. And when Tubby walks into a room, at least it used to be this way, when Tubby walked into a room, like he was the type of person that draws everybody's yeah, attention. He's got a presence for right? sure. Um, and I remember him being so like not what I expected from a perspective of I expected him to be like hard and brash and mean and like immediately be like, okay, we got to go 
start conditioning. And he, it was the opposite. Yeah. He was very accepting and very warm and very open to like discussions and happy to be here. And how can I help you? And what, what did you guys not like about the previous regime? And you know, a lot of those different things that I wasn't expecting to hear. I wasn't expecting that from him. Um, and it wasn't until like the first preseason conditioning, as we sit in Beerman. Is this still called Beerman, right? Yeah. We're, it's still called Beerman. We're Beerman, the Beerman okay. wing here. Okay, yeah. the Beerman wing. And the track and field track, if you will, right behind Beerman. Is it still there? No. Oh, it's not even there anymore. Right. I was just back there. We're getting old. It's been a long morning. Yeah. Um, There's a football building there. Th- there now. is. Yeah. A, a rather large one, too, <laughs> yeah, they tell big. me. Yeah. Um, and I remember... I remember conditioning like early in the summer, like Tubby might've been only on the job for like a week or so. And that was the first time we really saw him snap about guys not making time or, or something like that. And it was, it was eye opening because it was the next six, eight months was a lot of lashings from Tubby. I believe that. Yeah. Now you guys, he brought you back to pretty good credibility. We won 20 games that yeah. year. We kept his streak alive and well, for most consecutive seasons with 20-plus wins or more, we kept that streak alive my senior year. Now, I remember, I think it was the Indiana game at the barn. Don't bring uh, – uh, Well, here's all I'm going to bring up. Okay. Is that it was – I was listening to the game because uh, I, I had to drive up to Duluth. I think I've told you and Bump this on your show that if there's one regret – Is not winning that game? No, it's going 0 for 8 from the line in that game well, and losing you, in overtime. You brought that up. Yeah, you lost yeah. it overtime. And yeah. Yeah, if there, I it, was going to leave your free throw shooting out of it because right. you've been nice enough to come down here, but you, sure. you brought it up. So that's, you know. Brute. Yeah, it's it's if there's one, I don't even know if it would be a regret, right? Because it's not like it was. Well, you want to have it back. Right. Yeah, to right. see if, if, there's, if there's one If there's one game or particular moment in my career where I could go back and, and have that moment back. Yeah. Other than probably getting hurt my junior year, right. it would be that moment against Indiana. Well, they were ranked like third. Eric Gordon's on that team. If we win that game, we're we're probably on the bubble. I think you're right. But I then, re- here's what I remember about it. Listening, driving up to Duluth, I looked at my girlfriend. Who was at the on the time. call? Dave Lee? Uh what year was that? That would have uh, No, it would have been Grimmer. It would have been Grimmer. It would have been yeah. Grimmer. Yeah, it would have been Grimmer. That's Grimmer right. Grimmer was yeah. there for months That's right. first it seven been, ga- last seven games. Yeah, the Dan Munson Memorial, he calls That's it. That's what he the, calls it. The, the Orlando tournament. <laughs> That's what he calls it. The Dan Munson Memorial. <laughs> uh, but I was driving up on 35 and listening to the sound on the radio i turned to my then girlfriend i said that's what williams arena sounds like right right because like you've played in a lot of games you've called a lot of games and like yeah you, the current head coach doesn't believe us that it does have a, a vibe like they're, they're, correct it, obviously it gets going but there was a time when it was and maybe i'm old and i'm romantic about it but there was a time when there was it had a distinct sound it had it, it that night against indiana i thought and the net after i agree and there, there's obviously been games between that one and the one i'm about to mention that have been great but the last time after that indiana game i can remember the barn feeling that way was when tubby brought when Tubby, it was the year they lot they were they were fifteen and one I yeah. think, and the only loss was to Duke mm-hmm. in the Bahamas, and Michigan came into town. Yes, and they were ranked like it was an eight, co- yeah, it was like an eight ten match. You're right, yeah. right, and we know how that season turned out. Mm-hmm. And but but the the net, I mean that the barn was electric. It was the first time I had felt that. Obviously, calling the games with Grimmer, uh, it was the first time I had felt it felt the barn like that since that Indiana game. Because you're old enough to remember like the late '90s, probably. Of course, yeah, and that's. I mean, when... I grew up coming to games yeah. at Williams with my dad. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of us. I'll did. never remember. I'll never forget the. It was it was my senior year of high school, 
and Minnesota was hosting Illinois with Brian Cook, and they they had a squad that year. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, it was my junior year, and if 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 Minnesota had beaten Illinois, they were going to make the NCAA tournament. Like they were on the bubble, and Illinois brought a good team. And Minnesota yep. had the lead the whole game and blew it at the end. I think that's the Kevin Burleson Memorial. Correct. I think that's how people remember. Absolutely. That. With the Wolves now, I think. Yeah. As a matter of fact. Right. Uh, right. You got to get out of here, but I want to get uh, people up to speed on what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know you're broadcasting. Eleventh year. Now here's I talked about season. how I I don't like people that are six nine that just get to play basketball. <laughs> I also don't like former athletes that just get to do broadcasting stuff. Like right. When I saw you on Big well, Ten you, Network you when you should, were like twenty two, you I was should like, feel that way. Oh, there's Spencer Tollickson, Big Ten Network. That's our right. dream. And I saw you right. doing games. I'm like, that guy sucks. Right. I hate that guy. Needed. To Did be you beat. actually hate me? Well, no, I didn't know right. you. Needed right. you to beat Jefferson my senior year. You didn't do that, so I had to play him at the Pavilion. That sucked. We lost. Brian Sakora. Brian Sakora. 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 Really yeah. good player. Uh, but anyway, Jake Omi. I remember all those. That's guys. a different yeah. podcast. We couldn't get past him either. I know, but you had him in the semis. We had him in the semis. And that was the yep. rumor that we heard right. when we played Eden Prairie in the right. semis. But regardless, <laughs> we waited till forty minutes to air out more of my laundry. <laughs> but broadcasting, I've right. told you this before. I granted I hated you when you were on the Big Ten Network because that's where I wanted to be. But then I started listening to you with Grimmer, sure. and I've told you I love the way you do it because there's no you you let everybody know exactly how you're feeling. Sure, if something's going good and even more so bad for the Gophers, like you, we feel. I got an earful from uh, from Donna Smith one time about well, that. Well, you know what? That means you're doing a good job. Right. If the coach's wife is mad at you, <laughs> like that's going to happen every once in a while. But what I I, I call it authentic when I sure. hear you. And I, more often than not, I'm like, that's how I'm feeling as a fan, how you're feeling. I think that's why it's worked so well. So I think very early on in my career, like I literally think, so I did one year with the Big Ten Network and then one year with, with Gopher Radio and who ultimately is our boss and Greg Gerlach. And I remember sitting down with Greg and reflecting on that year and he said something to me that I, I, I think about every single time I sit down here or I'm on with you guys on KFAN or I'm, I'm broadcasting the game. I think about the fact that if you're not honest, you will instantly lose credibility. Mm-hmm. And he told me that, and I, I that is a, I, I I think about that. It's in my brain all the time when I'm when I'm sitting down doing this stuff because if 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 you can't be authentic and and if you're gonna lose your credibility, then then get somebody else in there, mm-hmm. right? Then then just get a yes man or someone or a homer or someone that. And I do think I view certain things with with, with maroon and gold glasses, sure. right? Well, of it's your course, school. yeah. But at the end of the day, um, if you're not honest, because people know. People that are either watching or listening to the game, they can hear what's happening and they can formulate their own opinions. And if you're not honest, you will instantly lose credibility. And that's something that I, I take with me every time I get in front of a microphone. Favorite game you played in at the U? Favorite game I played in at the U? Um, oh, boy, that's a that's a tough question. Um it's interesting. I didn't play in this game, but the game when Hoffarber hit the shot yeah. in Indiana, I was out with a with – a, the tenth time I rolled that ankle um, <laughs> that, that year. There's a whole another story about that. We'll do the Spencer podcast uh, about injuries. Unplugged or something. Yeah. yeah, next time. Uh, the favorite game that I that I played in at the U. It might be that home game my freshman year against Wisconsin, where Vince totally went yeah. off. Um, I really enjoyed my senior year. When we won at Iowa State, they had two pros on that team. Wesley Johnson, who was the other guy? He was a big guy. The name's escaping me. And we went on the road, and I played well, and Lawrence McKenzie had played very well in that one too. So I would say those two were were 
certainly memories that that I'll take with me for a long time. Favorite game you've called as a broadcaster for the U? <sighs> Probably, you know, it was uh, a couple years ago when they beat Maryland and they had no business beating them. Cool. That was the Joey. Yeah. That was the Joey yeah, King yeah, yeah, when yeah. they rushed the floor. That was really cool. Uh, when they knocked off Indiana when they were number one in the country, and Trevor gave it to Zeller that game. Like, yeah. like Zeller was rumored to be like the number one pick, and 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 Trevor gave it to him that game. They knocked off the number one team in the country. That was a really fun and easy team to root for because it had the Hollins brothers, yeah, not, not actual sure. brothers, but the Hollins boys, if you will, Rodney Williams, Trevor Mbakwe, you know, local kids with some of the flair of the Hollins guys, and and Andre Hollins was a. A really easy kid to root for with that for smile. Sure. Tremendous kid. Uh, that game was probably the the my f- most favorite game that I've called. Watching them, watching the that's the first time I've seen the court stormed at Williams Arena. And that building was on. I mean, they're number one in the country. Number one in the country, yeah. and Minnesota beat them. Yeah, one of the court stormers one. that night was Flip Saunders. Is that right? With uh, Dan Barrero. I couldn't get Dan on the court, but <laughs> right. Dan's like, all of a sudden I look and Flip's gone. Right. He went to the Shirt court. off or no? I can't confirm. We lost him. <laughs> we lost that. him. Yeah. So we have a lot more to talk about, so you're going to have to come back uh, at some point during the basketball season. I would love uh, to come during back. Big Ten play, we'll talk about the team, yeah. and uh, we'll talk more about uh, your time here at the U, but uh, I had a blast. It was fun it was watching fun, man. You. Fun getting to know you, as you know, and uh, we'll For all sure. be listening on the Gopher Radio Network. For sure. He is Spencer Tollickson. We'll find out about his kids next time. We'll find out about his job that makes him wear a suit every single day. He looks really sharp. Looks really nice. But we thank Red Savoy Pizza, Soda Style, since 1965. Uh, go to the Clay Hole also. This one was sponsored by the Clay Hole in Chaska. Good luck finding it, as well as our good friends at Schuler Shoes. Thanks, everybody. This has been the Golden Gopher Podcast, presented by Schuler Shoes. Fall fun starts at Schuler Shoes. Step in for the largest selection of footwear for the season or visit SchulerShoes.com. And by Red Savoy Pizza, soda-style pizza since 1965. Find us online at SavoyPizza.com. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Gopher Sports Network.